All right, everybody, let's do this. Welcome to the first episode. Yes, that's right. Numero uno episode of the Share the Road podcast. Your space to find insight, inspiration, training tips, gear talk, and more in the realm of endurance sports. I am your host, Chris Abel, and I really think you're going to enjoy this first one this week. We got some goodies for you, so let's dig right in. So first thing I want to do is I want to talk about a little bit of why, why this podcast. I am an amateur endurance athlete, and when I say amateur, I mean I am an amateur. I didn't start doing endurance sports until I was around 22 years old, and that was in 2016. Okay, so I have only been doing endurance sports for about four years, and it has been one of the most amazing things ever. Okay, so let me give you a little bit of backstory about myself. So I am a music teacher in Owensboro, Kentucky, and a musician. I got my music education degree from the Murray State University, and we won't talk about how it took me years in order to get my undergraduate degree. (sighs) Not going to talk about it. So, uh, but backing up before that, I'm from Owensboro, where I teach now, and Let's just say I was not the most athletic type, or rather, let's say I had no interest in being the athletic type. I was the wild ADHD kid that you saw uh, rocking back and forth or picking paint off of the fence at the baseball diamond. Yes, that was me. I was just had no interest in it at all when I was in second grade my mother signed me up for piano lessons and then by the time I was in sixth grade I was playing guitar and clarinet and so music was my thing and exercise definitely never happened ever at that point Uh, I think uh as it got worse and worse at one point even my dad who has been a cyclist for over two decades now um said hey man you gotta do something Because it's getting out of control. And I was like, "Ah, no. He's like, you know what? No, you're going to go outside. You're going to run. All you got to do is run from lamppost to lamppost and then walk to the next lamppost and then run to the next one. Now, given we live out in the country, so these lampposts were about a tenth of a mile away. However, I could not even get to the first one. It was not great. It was bad. So fast forward to about... 2013 when I hit my heaviest of 209 pounds. This is when I was in college feasting on pizza rolls and unlimited swipes at Winslow Dining Hall every single day. So, I mean, just really got out of shape. And for whatever reason, there are a few different factors that aren't important now. Um, I decided that I was going to audition for the Army Reserve Band. Okay? So, if you know anything about Army musicians, they are Army musicians. They are soldier musicians. Why I, at 209 pounds, decided I wanted to join the Army, I don't know. But I had it set in my head, and I talked to a commander of this band, and so I start the recruiting process. They're like, dude, 
you're going to have to lose some weight. So, that's where my first step in all this journey began. Um, I started training and I lost about 20 pounds just training to go to basic training, which I was still two pounds over what I needed to be. They wrapped some saran wrap in Preparation H around me, sucked out whatever water I had in my body, and said, all right, he's 187, he's good to go. Yep, that is a true story. And so I leave for basic training in June of 2015, and... I went to Fort Jackson, South Carolina. Now, there is not a better place to get in shape than Fort Jackson in the summer. Over the course of basic training, which I would love to spend the rest of this podcast telling you basic training stories, but that is not what we're here for, um, I lost about another 17 pounds. When I left basic training, I was about 173, 174, and that's not including the muscle I had gained too, you know? So like I lost all that fat, but then I also gained a lot of muscle because before I was like a potato with uh, toothpicks sticking out, you know? And now I actually like had some kind of like triceps and muscles and like, oh, what are these, you know? So I, and but I actually didn't pass a PT test at basic until the final retake. And so it was about four days before graduation. I finally passed a PT test, uh, which is uh, how ever many push-ups you can do in two minutes, sit-ups in two minutes, and a two-mile run. Um, I get to AIT. I continue to improve. I continue to work out on my own. And then when I get home, I'm back in college, right? So I'm surrounded once again by pizza rolls and... Just any food I could want or eat and nobody to really say like, hey man, what are you doing? You know, so I had to figure out a way to stay in shape. And what did I turn to? I decided I was going to do a half marathon. This is my first half marathon. And uh, trained by my great friend, John Gleason, which if you know John, you know he is a goofy, kind amazing human being and underneath that human skin is a hell of an athlete and so John trains me for my first half I think in that time I was in Murray and there wasn't really a running community in Murray and I really learned how to suffer alone and basic I learned how to embrace the suck and get into the pain cave and um but I had a community of embracing the suck together. You know, it was in Murray that I learned how to embrace the suck and suffer by myself and push through, right? Uh, it was in that training period. And so I think that really started to define me as an endurance athlete. That was a defining moment. Um, so I do my first half and I got it done. It was a very hilly half in Eastern Kentucky called the Bourbon Derby Half Marathon. And I finished it in one hour and 52 minutes, uh, which is about a little over a slower than an eight and a half minute pace per mile. And I was hooked. You know, I was dead. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is awesome. So I do some more races. I start pushing my sister, Leah, who has cerebral palsy um, in races. And that was just incredible because as much as, you know, we're siblings. I'm an older sibling. She's a younger sibling. We have a few things we connect on. But this was the first thing that we, like, 
had where it was just like our thing, you know. It was our thing that nobody else could take from us. And so that was awesome to have that connection with her and to have that with her. And so I go back to school and I just kind of keep doing the training. I paid very close attention to the training John gave me. Um, and I would just go run. I wasn't really training for anything. I do 10Ks, 5Ks. Now, fast forward two more years, because like I said, <laughs> took the long way through school. So in 2018, I finally graduated and now I have my music education degree. I'm looking for a job and end up teaching in Owensboro, Kentucky, which I was not happy about. When I got there, I was alone. I was back in my hometown. I considered it a failure because I had all these dreams of, oh, I'm going to move out to this place and do this thing. And I was just like, well, it's temporary, I guess. You know, I didn't really feel like I knew a lot of people in Owensboro and there were a bunch of people I hadn't connected with yet who were there. And, you know, it wasn't until probably almost a year in to being back to living in Owensboro that I started hanging out with people. And one of the big reasons for that is the running community in Owensboro, which I didn't give a chance because I'm an idiot until I guess it was around March or April. I moved in June of 2018. It wasn't until March or April of 2019 that I started going to the group runs, uh, which Owensboro has amazing group runs. If you haven't, if you live in Owensboro and you haven't been to Project Rise yet, what are you doing? I don't care if you're running. I don't care if you're sprinting. I don't care if you're walking. Get your butt down there. If you're in another town and you don't have an awesome group that meets up and encourages each other and runs together no matter the speed, meaning you need a small loop of some kind, really easy to set up, what are you doing? Go set one up. It was because of these athletes, these amateur endurance athletes who are badasses, who work nine to five jobs, who are teachers, who have kids, who, you know, they have all these other things going on. They got dogs, you know, they're not professional. They're not getting paid to do this all the time, but they are killers, and I got to run with them. Eventually, I got to ride with them. Eventually, I got to swim with them. You know, and it was here in this time, in this small stage, 2019 is really kind of what I call my first year of running. Seriously, you know, where my status as an amateur athlete really began. Because... It was here where these these veteran athletes, they, they support each other. Owensboro is an amazing community. It supports each other, teaches each other, um, gets each other to do races, trains hard together, put, makes sure nobody's falling behind, but they're pushing past their limits. And so it was here at Owensboro that... I found not only my running partners, but I found friends for life. Truly, I believe that. I think that these are going to be some of the, the friendships that I sustain in my adult life. So, in 2019, I ran 
and pushed Leah in the Wendell Foster Half Marathon, which the second annual is coming up in March. Make sure you register for that if you're in the area. If you're not in the area, come on, fly out. Love to meet you. Um, and I got a PR of 140, you know, pushing a full-grown person. And then... After that, after I started running with the community, I was like, hey, you know what? I think it's time I do my first marathon. And it was during this training that I got my first injury. And it was then that I started cycling and I started swimming. And then my one of my you know new friends I had made, Jordan, he was like, well, you should sign up for a try. There's a sprint coming up over in Bowling Green. And I said, well, you know... I'll think about it. I don't know if my foot's better. It was plantar fasciitis that I got. And he was like, okay. And, you know, I kept bringing it up. I was like, well, I'm thinking about it. And finally, I guess he got tired of hearing me say, I'll think about it. He's like, just do it, you bitch. And I was like, oh, yep, okay, you're right. And so I signed up and did it and loved it. It was so fun. And then I got hurt again because I thought, hey, I'm back. I was able to run a 5K. Not exactly what I needed to do, right? So I get hurt again, and I'm out until October. I had signed up to do the Indy Monumental Marathon, which was in November, right? And so I'm I'm hurt all of July and August, and then I do this triathlon, and then I try to get right back into training, which, dummy, like I said, young amateur athlete um and I get hurt again and I'm out for all of September again so now I'm looking at I've got five weeks to get myself where I need to be so I was like or maybe I had about six weeks it's a little fuzzy at this point but I knew that I was going to do two easy runs of about two to four miles and I knew that I was going to do those super easy And then I was going to do track workouts with Tri Club, which is another group running uh, uh, in Owensboro. So I'm doing these sprint workouts, and I go, and I'm starting to feel better and feel better. And so long story short, I went and I ran the marathon at a 3.22, which... For somebody who wasn't really knowing what the hell they were doing with running until 2019, for me, I felt was a huge accomplishment. I was really proud of myself. I really felt like that maybe there's a place for me in this realm of amateur endurance sports. That maybe I could be pretty good at this. And... Honestly, I don't think I could have made that accomplishment if it... No, let me rephrase that. I know I wouldn't have got, uh, made that accomplishment if it weren't for the community in Owensboro. And not just that, but there's a specific moment at a tri-club workout where a few of these uh, vets, a few of these guys that have done so many races, and they're just killer athletes. You know, they were like, hey, man, what's your goal for Indy? And I said, well, you know... I, it was 3.30 originally, but then I got hurt, and now I think I'd just be happy to finish, but I, I'm feeling pretty good, so maybe 3.45. And they looked at me, I said, dude, you could crush 3.30. You're doing great. Just have confidence, and if you're 
you know, don't go out too hard. Settle into a good pace. And if you feel good, you feel good. Go. Make sure your nutrition's good. And I was like, okay. All right, maybe you're right. I, You know, it's my first one. I don't know what to expect. They said, sure, but you got it. And I think I had that in my mind the entire time. So thank you, Tri-Clubbers. You know who you are. Um, so that is honestly where we're at now. Uh, this weekend, I'm running the Mountain Mist 50K, which you will hear a recap of here shortly at the end of this episode. Uh, but I, my running life is pretty short. And so I feel like I had a unique opportunity to start this podcast. You know, it am I necessarily, you know, a lot of people might think, well, he hasn't really been running that long. He hasn't really placed or done any of these major races. What what's he got a running podcast for? But that's the point. Is I'm going to be looking for this knowledge and this insight into training in gear because I want to be a fantastic athlete and I'm going to be looking for the knowledge to make that happen not just for people who are great athletes already but for people who don't know where to start for people who are trying to find time in their busy lives you know this podcast is about growth for all of us because we're all at different levels Right? All endurance athletes, if you're an amateur, you're going to be trying your best to fit it in. And you're going to have seasons of being a phenomenal athlete, and you're going to have seasons of being like a meh athlete. Let's be honest with ourselves. And so, here on this podcast, I hope you find just great tips, great coaching, great gear that you love. And I hope all in all you find people that you can share this road of endurance sports with. That's the reason for the podcast. As I go along and I'm asking questions to people who have been doing this for years, or I'm asking for stories from guys who have done insane races, or if I'm asking the local runner who somehow juggles two jobs, three kids, and still finds time to train. Where does their motivation come from to do that? We're going to be looking at all of that and more, so make sure you tune in every single week. All right, so that does it for the main part of the episode. Uh, What we got for you now is an awesome conversation with a great friend of mine, Jordan Lauks. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. It was a little bit of a snippet. I could have edited it out, but um, I I think you'll be entertained. All right, so here it is. All right, joining us now, we have Jordan Lauks, a runner of four ultra marathons, eight full marathons, one full Ironman, and two half marathons, and probably countless other races, right? Yeah, a couple of 5Ks, a couple of beer miles. <laughs> um, yeah. 
All right, well, we... Uh, yeah, thanks for not, having me on the show, Chris. Yeah, no problem, man. So, not only is Jordan an awesome... <laughs> iPhone storage full. Let's see, it's still recording? No, pause. Oh, it is still recording. I can clip that out somehow. All right, so we're here today to uh, recap Mountain Mist 2020. Uh, Mountain Mist is in Monticeno State Park outside of Huntsville, Alabama. Are you sure you're saying that right? Because when I say it, sometimes it comes out as like Monsanto, like the big pesticide company with... I, I feel like I heard some of the locals... Okay. Just so want to say no. If any, if any uh, folks down there in Alabama are listening, and we are saying it wrong, um, we we hope you're not offended. We truly mean nothing against the Alabamians. Yeah, Agreed. Alabamians. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's let, let's get to it. So actually, starting off, we had a pretty interesting trip on the way down there or i guess rather uh so i was flying in from orders and uh jordan and his brother john who couldn't be here tonight we miss we miss john but um hopefully we'll get him in on a on another recap eventually but they were waiting to pick me up at the airport and it just in nashville not, in nashville true yeah. yeah and my there was something wrong with the jet fuel on the plane I was on. There was like a leak. So they had to get an entirely new plane. They had to take that plane out of that gate. They had to go to the hangar to pull out a totally different plane. They couldn't just go to another gate. So it took a while and it ended up wasn't going to be uh, coming in until about 11. Um, we had kind of, or 10. and. We kind of talk back and forth. Well, maybe we should just not do this. Uh, but came around, found a good price on a rental car, and uh, ended up doing it anyway. When did you get into the hotel that night? Nine thirty, just 930. about the time you landed. Right, if not before. <laughs> yeah, that was a little. Uh, we landed, and I think we pulled into the gate at nine fifty. Yeah, so they were able to get in. Get a little bit of sleep, hang out. Actually, I think you guys stayed up a little bit, right? Yeah, I think a basketball game was on or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, so I rent this car, drive down. I get into the hotel around 1230, um, maybe 1 o'clock, and, you know, try and get right to bed. First of all, the plumbing in that hotel was just loud. Did you notice that or were you just knocked the whole night? Uh, I was, was kind of trying to forget about it, I suppose. You know, okay. We, we had a couple speed bumps already, so yeah. you know, what's one more thing? And then at 3.30, the phone rings, which was just outlandish, um, because I don't think I've ever been in a hotel where the phone actually rang. Um, and so this phone was like a fire alarm. I mean, if I may... Yeah, we were just kind of talking about it on our run a bit ago. And um, it, so I pick it up and 
there's this guy like, uh, yes, this is Alex Daniels, the assistant manager of the hotel. And I was like, uh, okay. And he goes, uh, we've, our computers have shut down. And so we are refunding everybody for half of their hotel cost. And I was like, oh, great. And I wasn't really picking up on the fact that it was total bullshit yet. Uh, but then he goes, yeah, so when did you check in? And I was like, like two hours ago. What the, like, what? And why is the assistant manager here? And so I slowly started waking up because no manager is at the hotel. No. You know, at that hour. They're, they're at home sleeping while the, you know, other folks are working. And so... I go, well, um, who are you? He goes, uh, the assistant manager, Alex Daniels, sir. And I was like, and of what hotel? And he's like, the hotel you're staying at right now. And then he hung up. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And finally get to sleep, I think, for the rest of the night. I had some drainage issues. I know John did because he had to get up a few times. So bumpy night all the way, all in all, to go into a 50K. I slept fine. Well, that's fantastic. Really happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> so we show up. The race was at 730. Uh, honestly, the weather was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, we had some rain. Uh few days prior to the race um which definitely showed um you know even the parking lot was muddy pulling on in uh but yeah i'd say it's like it's a good thing you brought the jeep the jeep yeah, yeah. a little off-roading probably yeah. just 20 feet off-road yeah. but that's that was enough I don't think if I think if we didn't have the trailhawk feature we wouldn't have made it out right yeah so uh we get there we get parked the lodge setup was awesome mm-hmm. um they had the just enough vendors i always feel like you know you go into kind of a pre-racing and there's just too much but they just had enough and free coffee as well free coffee local roasters yeah i've never been to a race that treated their runners as well as mountain mist did right personally they had a fire going and mm-hmm. i think they maybe had two fires roaring 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 yeah nice yeah it was it was really a good setup and one thing that i noticed if you've never done a trail race before trail running is kind of one of those things where it's you wouldn't think it would be that much of a different sport than road running but i mean even the preparation going into it um the atmosphere and those who participate is I would say considerably different than a road race. Um, Everybody's kind of hanging out and just chilling and lots of tattoos. Mm -hmm. A lot of tattoos. Yeah. I only have two, but yeah, I also have two. Yeah. (laughs) I've got a fish on my ribs, so. No one saw mine, but. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Maybe get one on your leg for next year. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, So. Uh, we get we get to the starting line and 
Uh, how'd you feel about the start of the race? It was fine. I mean, I know it was going to be uh, just quite a little bit of motion going on. You know, people are trying to move to the front because there is quite a lengthy road section um, just where you can kind of avoid the funneling, uh, not get pushed to the back. Mm. So, I don't know. I was just trying to relax. Talk. Yeah. Yeah, once we got out of that road section, I mean, when they say that it's single track, I mean, it is not a lot of trail going on once you actually get into the trail area. And I just remember kind of looking around, trying to find ways I can weave around people. And um, it made it difficult with the mud too trying to do that as well so definitely just trying to find your placing there in the early going was uh one of the trickier parts uh for me um so we get through and we didn't really have our first climb until mile i don't know 12 or 13 there was a little bit of a winding climb and uh so what was your uh because on trail runs uh, a lot of times you'll have inclines. You have to kind of decide. It's a little bit of strategy. Am I going to try and run this and save some time, or should I should I hike it and save some energy for other areas? What was your strategy going into the first part of that run? Well, in the past, so I'd ran, I'd competed in this race before in 2017, and that's when they had like the original climb is called K2. That's like within the first 10 miles, I think. I'm not sure. And so that's the first significant one. Well, the first climb didn't really start until much later in the race. So I was just kind of trying to chill out because it seemed like a lot of the climbing was a lot later in the race. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't trying to really win this race or PR or anything like that. Just trying to feel really good at the end. But I didn't want to dig myself in a grave before the race is half over. Yeah, I've got to be totally honest. I think I did that. <laughs> I've got to be totally. Uh, this is my first ultra. Um, and what a learning experience it was. I mean, I went out, I think I hit 930, 1005, 905, 10 on the first four miles. And that was a lot uh, slower than that. I, I think I, I flubbed up on that because uh i started cramping around mile like 14 or 15 um which thankfully for the aid stations being well stocked i was able to kind of combat that a bit um favorite thing they had at the aid stations because they had a lot of food ton of stuff what was your go-to do you have one um i kind of followed dylan hammond's protocol which is just coca-cola and chips or pretzels or something like that. I I think I took a little bit more salt this time mm-hmm. than usual. And then uh I ran with this this one guy, if I may get a little little mm-hmm. spliff here. Yeah. Uh 72 years old. It was his 19th mountain mist finish. Wow. And um he said that his go-to uh he just kept pounding the peanut M&Ms. Really? He was all about that. So which I thought helped me because, you know, I kind of got a little bit uh, just exhausted staring down at the ground, making sure, you know, was I going to step on a jagged rock or or if I did step on it, I stepped on it 
appropriately. Right. So, you know, I kind of got tired from that. And I think the sugar helped me bounce back a little bit. Kind of help you stay focused, a little bit aware yeah. on top of the game. Man, and that is the other thing. You mentioned the 72-year-old gentleman. I mean, some of the ages of these athletes and the level to which that they were performing was nuts. I mean, what do you think it is about trail runners as far as longevity? Uh, I mean, I asked this guy, and he said he's still running about 50 to 60 miles a week. Um, I just don't think he... I think he maybe dropped his mileage and his intensity a little bit, but he's still getting after it. I think that's the yeah. that's the goal, just consistency. Right. I so just kinda I think it goes to show, I mean, a lot of these guys that we talked to, I mean, they were they were really incredible uh individuals and athletes. I'd say it's probably a mindset thing, you know, you're only True. Uh, you can only perform, you know, as old as you allow uh, mentally allow yourself, you know? So I think that's what a lot of these guys at one point, um, I guess it was climbing. No, it was about mile 17 or 18 is when I first passed um, Sally, I believe was her name. And she was finishing her 20th mountain mist. She was 60, maybe 62. And um, she was the first woman to finish 20. And, you know, so past her and some guys were telling me about her. Well, we're going up Waterline, which we'll get to more here in a bit. Um, And she comes hiking past me and this other group of guys I was with. And she turns around and she goes, y'all might be faster than me on the downhill, but I'm going to kick your ass on the uphill. And I was like, yeah, I'm not catching her. And she was gone, dude. I think she finished sub seven for sure. So, I mean, really in just some really impressive athletes down there. So speaking of waterline, kind of getting into some of the other parts of the race. Sure. Yeah. Um, after fifteen, you know, you kind of climbed and then mm-hmm. went down and yeah, waterline was a couple miles later. Yeah. I think it was at, it's about like twenty four, maybe. I thought we finished at twenty six. Waterline wasn't the last. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it was around there. Yeah. I guess it was around twenty four. Um muddy going through a lot of part of the last third of that race mm-hmm. just super muddy like jordan said it it poured rain on thursday and i mean your foot would just and the ground would just swallow it and so you're dragging your feet out and i don't know do you how how much you think your shoes weighed at the heaviest point of that race? Because I felt like I was had dumbbells strapped to the bottom of my shoes, yeah, running around. Um, and I mean, Dink Taylor, the guy that coordinated it, said it was a slow race that year, um, which makes us feel better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll take it. If I just that, then sure. Hell we, yeah, we, um, David, the guy who uh, won it. Um, he, I think his best is a three thirty six, and of course there's been uh change in the in the course. 
and weather and this and that, but he finished around 4.15. So, I mean, we're still talking about 40 minutes of time difference there. So I think the mud probably certainly slowed people down pretty considerably. Um, So what was there any point where you were like, that you had a struggle that you did foresee? I think I forgot about how bad waterline really is. Because last time I was there, I I just remember like, kind of like refusing to go up it mentally. I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) And then this time, I remember, uh, because you can see people climbing with their hands and like, Mm-hmm. Just going straight up whenever you're right there at the waterfall. And um, I was like, God, I do not remember being this gnarly. Yeah. And then that there's a second section after you get past that first. Uh, and it's the steepest part. Yeah, that's even worse. Uh, well, mate, I don't know. I actually can't say what's worse. But um, but yeah, I think that that was the most, you know, I thought that, you know, I did the I did the race one time, you know. Yeah. I know what to expect, but <laughs> hell no. No, I got kicked in the junk for sure. And we were just talking uh, on our run tonight. You know, it's a different race every year, you know, from what yeah, people say so. with the weather and, you know, as they kind of tweak the course a little bit as they're going. But, I mean, really the weather down there and as Kentuckians, you would think we would be at least a little bit used to that. We see quite a bit of different weather slammed at us, but just the how unpredictable 30 miles of trail can be. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, each one of those sections, it's almost like some of those trails up in uh, Hoosier National Forest. I mean, it seems like you're in a different park. Oh, yeah. You know, so you got the super rocky areas, and then you've got the mud pits, and then you got creeks, and then you just have normal... Oh, these are nice trails. Um, did you take the fireball shot there at the uh, fifth aid station? No, I was just no kind of emotional at that point. <laughs> and um, I was honestly a little bit just, I think I wanted to focus a little bit more on the rocks. Mm. Like, just as lame as that sounds. Yeah. I, might, I saw this one lady trip over a rock and then... Luckily, face plant oh, really? in mud as opposed to face planting on a rock or falling or something or like falling off the trail. Whoa. So she chose the oh. the lesser of the three worst things you could fall on. But um, I don't know. That was my concern was just tripping. Yeah. So, I didn't see anybody fall. No, I mean, I wasn't thinking I was going to get two turned from one shot. Oh, well, yeah, sure. You know, there I, I've got to say. um First thing is there weren't a lot gone. That guy no, was keeping yeah. that table well stocked, and Someone I don't think he had picture. to work very hard. Yeah. Um, second of all, I'm also known for making unwise decisions, so I think I think that might have been one. But wait, so you did take it? Is that oh, I definitely took oh, okay. the shot. Yeah, was I it mean, a full shot? I really didn't see. I was, nah, no, see, I was kind of in the no, not really. I was like, just grab and go. Yeah. That's what that 72-year-old guy just reiterated. You know, I've, you know, I've done an ultra before, 
you know, so I just kind of just grab some coke, grab some chips, and just like if I was gonna walk, I was just gonna walk and eat while I walk. Yeah. So, so at least I'm still moving. I think I spent uh I stopped at aid stations. I didn't really know what I to do, so I was kinda of looking at everything, like, oh what am I gonna yeah. eat? You know? Uh, yeah, uh I'd I'd hit a lot of salt packets. Peanut butter and jelly is my jam. Oh yeah. I went in on some peanut Literally. butter and jelly. Unintended. <laughs> totally unintended. I hate that that happened. Um, Gross. But, and then, of course, they had the beer at the last aid station. And I, I took a sip, and uh, I was like... Uh, not feeling this no, yet. No, I'm trying to get the hell out of here. Yeah, it was... I, I tell you, I, I regret drinking the beer, because I had to pee so bad going into that last uh, mile and a half. I had to pee almost the entire race. <laughs> I just that didn't sucks. stop. So yeah. you just kept going. No. That's wow, and you really were not booking it past the finish line either to get to the bathroom. Uh there was pizza, so I was just kind of oh. waiting around a little bit. So So we have we get waterline and we make it to that last climb uh yeah. that started around mile twenty nine. 2829 yeah 2829 and i think that was the worst part for me because it was a winding climb mm-hmm. and if you looked up the mountain you could see the row of people running above you and they're like way up oh yeah and then you look above them you see another row of people and they're way up and i was just like Oh God! Like, I was so torn up, but luckily my cramps had stopped. But all in all, uh, it was it was a great first ultra for me personally. You know, like, like I talk more about the climb, like if you cried or something, or I didn't cry. I was pretty much by myself. Mm. We had a train going up that really yeah so and some guy was trying to tell jokes and they were just all bad jokes i think everyone's just tired they were just tired just like let's get this over with so my first time running it i remember that climb just it really hit me hard like i think i even sat down like oh really because i didn't know it was there and and you still finished that under Six hours? No. Oh. <laughs> no chance. Like 7.30. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. I thought you were, I said you were in the first one. Hell no. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. I'm always there to party. You know that. You're right. Especially some George's a big partier. Yeah. If you could, if you could see a stash. You'll see, it in the, you'll see it in the picture for mm. the promo. Yeah, it'll be on there. Special guest. Stash louts. I knew that one was going to be bad. I knew it was a very long climb, but I also knew it wasn't, in my opinion, as bad as Waterline. Yeah. I think mentally it was worse for me just because I had no idea. I knew there was another climb, but I didn't know it was going to be like that. And, but, I mean, I was ready to be done. I was like, you know, um, they, they said today in the Facebook post that David Riddle ran up that last climb to win. No way. I didn't really see exactly, you know, what the the places were, 
like how many people were ahead of him or what the gap was, but yeah. just that that is what contributed to his what eight or something victory. I don't I don't know how many times he's won. Guys, I'm gonna post a link on the description of this episode to the course map, and I want you to find the elevation for the last climb and imagine running that because that's insane that's insane you think he does like strength training too quite a bit in order probably to all bench like press <laughs> i hate you <laughs> all right uh anything else about the race during the race you can think of um no, I mean, you know, I kind of just anticipated that it would be a lot of camaraderie, you mm-hmm. know, meet new people uh, with all different stories, different biographies. Um, I really enjoyed that. I mean, it was a very hospitable race. You know, they, I think they really take care of you, except for Waterline, you know, like I really think someone could die here. But we'll leave that. <laughs> I think <laughs> like if you cramped up and fell back. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think they're yeah. pro- and that's what I was thinking of too. Is like my cramps. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You have to really like hike your leg up to get up on yeah. the next rock. And um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes my hip cramp ups. So I was like, I was, I was afraid of that. I do think they're proud of it. Yeah, I, I think, do. I, yeah. I think they're like, heck yeah, somebody could perish. Well, in this. and now we're proud of it too because we, you know, conquered it. Absolutely. And I love what you said about, you know, meeting new people, meeting new runners, because there really is a lot that we can learn from the runners that we meet at those races. Um, I know a lot of the guys taught me a lot just about, um, you know, your nutrition at the race and, you know, telling me about. Yeah, they taught you about that. They probably warned against it and just against better judgment. I was like, alcohol? Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, but I love that you said that because that's kind of the whole aspect behind what this podcast is for. Kind of meeting oh, athletes and growing together and learning from each other. And especially for me, just being kind of a year into seriously doing races and things like that there's so much i can learn so uh you've certainly been a big help for that uh certainly appreciate uh your friendship and running working out with you so oh wow thanks for coming on the podcast yeah thanks for having me in your studio (laughs) we're actually uh be transparent about this we're in jordan's kitchen he's got his stir fry sitting in front of him yeah uh after a nice good run But that has been Mount Mystery Cat. All right, guys, that's been our show for this week. I truly hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I liked making it. I really think this is going to be something special. We've got a lot of great episodes coming your way here in the coming weeks. Uh, But let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. Truthfully, I would love to hear from you. Message me on Facebook, uh, Share the Road Podcast page, or shoot me up on Instagram at Share the Road Pod. Anything you'd like to say, even if it's just saying hi, I'd love to hear what my listeners are saying, what they think of the show, your favorite parts, your not so favorite parts, or ideas of what we could add. All right, love to hear from you. Shoot me some questions about training. Uh, Until next week, 
Happy training. Make sure you always share the road. Abel out.